0: Thank you very much. <laughs> Come Holy Spirit. <laughs> Done. <Dead. laughs> Is that a bit loud? Are we a bit... Um, coming through the Okay. Thank you Father. Holy Spirit we just ask you you keep moving amongst us today. Keep revealing Jesus. Keep preparing your people. Make us more like your lovely son and make us more willing to serve you. In these days in which we live, in Jesus' name, Amen. We're, we're cutting on in the in the series of John the Baptist, and uh, it's been I find it fascinating. This guy's. Are we? I sound awful echoey. Are we? Is it okay for you? It's okay for you. All right, we'll put up with it then. All right. And uh, I find John the Baptist an interesting character. But We're going to start the story by uh, just looking at John chapter 1 and verse 6. And then jumping across to a couple of verses starting at verse 19. So we'll pick up the story in John 1 and verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And the religious rulers sent their, their lads along to find out who was John really. And so they asked the question in verse 19. And they say, now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. And he didn't, he didn't deny, but he did confess. And his confession was this. They said, are you the Messiah? And he said, no. Are you Elijah? And he said, no. Are you one of the holy prophets? And he said, no. And they said, well, who are you then? You feel like saying, well, if you'd asked the one question and then remained quiet, I'd have answered you ten minutes ago. But, you know, they're kind of classic for asking a question and then answering it with another question before you get a chance to speak. He loves people like that, don't you? My father used to say, you're late home. You should have been in at 10, 10 o'clock. Why are you late? What was the excuse? I said, Why are you late? What's the mark on your hands? Well, I said, well, you know, we just kind of... We want to give the answer. But sometimes people just want to keep talking. And you think, well, keep talking. I can give another excuse. I can think of something else to say. But in order to understand John the Baptist, we have to wind the clock back kind of 400 years to kind of put the life and the ministry of John into context, because at the end of Malachi, he prophesies, without saying John the Baptist, he prophesies the one who is to come and be the forerunner to Jesus, the forerunner to the Messiah. And he talks about the one who's going to prepare the way. He talks about the one who's going to turn the heart, in the original, the heart of the fathers to their sons. Now, we try to be more politically correct and so modern translations have parents to children which is equally a good thing but there was a specific reason why Malachi says father to sons but let's not get into that right now because at the end of Malachi you end up going into this 400 year period of silence that's silence from God's end God stops speaking there is nothing doesn't say a word for 4 years. But what's interesting is during this 400 year period, prophecies that Daniel gave continue to be fulfilled. So, the Persian Empire are in power. The Persians are replaced by the Greeks and the Greeks are replaced by the Romans. But when the Greeks are in power, one of the things they did with all their fancy philosophies and stuff, they took the Old Testament that was written in Hebrew and they translated it into Greek. Now, this period of 400 years is known as the intertestamental period. That is the longest word you're going to get this morning. Because it's too tongue So, it's the intertestamental period, this 400 years. And the Greeks take the Old Testament and they translate it into Greek. That's because they can't speak Welsh. And they... Thank you very much. I'm glad you're awake over there. So they put it into Greek, which is a blessing to the church when the Gentiles get born again and Greeks like Stephen get saved and suddenly they got a version of the Old Testament that makes sense to them. So God can do whatever he likes. He can manipulate nations to do his will. But they get replaced by the Romans, and the Romans produce straight roads, or straighter roads. They, they produce a postal service, a courier service, which is really useful. They introduce laws that the church benefits from, and they introduce taxation under Caesar Augustus. And you think, that's incredible. And suddenly, the early church is able to send letters across Europe a lot quicker than had the Romans not been in power. They're able to to communicate a lot easier. That was for Rome's benefit originally, but the Romans didn't have a clue about the church. But God knows. God is aware of the affairs of men, even when he remains silent. It's really interesting. And so they come to power, and now there's law about, oh, you have to go back to your hometown to be taxed. And so Mary and Joseph have to go to Bethlehem. Which is not to fulfil the law that... Caesar Augustus has put into place, even though they are honouring it, is to fulfil a word that God had hundreds of years earlier through Isaiah. Isn't it amazing? So God is silent, the nations carry on as if God's not there, and God keeps moving nations around like little tiny pawns on a miniature travel chess set. you kind of, the psalmist, or Isaiah says you're like the drops from a bucket. That's a bucket full of water and the spillage just falling on the ground as you're carrying it along. That's what the nations are like to God. We panic over the President of America. What kind of comment is he going to say next? He's as much God's man for the hour as Caesar Augustus was in his day. But it doesn't make him any more righteous. It just means he's upon in God's hands, and so Zechariah. If you go to Luke chapters one, two, and three, Zechariah is coming to the end of this four hundred year period, and at the tail end of the four hundred year period, the Pharisees come to prominence, the Sadducees come to prominence, and the Sadducees are aristocratic and they're wealthy and they're very legalistic. the... the The Pharisees are very conservative and they had more laws and more rules and regulations in order to fleece the people and make themselves rich and famous. And some things never change. The Sadducees are liberal. The Pharisees are conservative. They're all living on the backs of everybody else. And suddenly Israel is caught up in a very religious, legalistic world. They're not into idol worship at this point. They're just very religious and very legalistic. And one day... Zechariah who is the priest is on duty it's his turn on the rota and he's in the, he's in the temple and he's serving and he's offering up incense and the people are outside praying be careful when you're on the rota next you might be on kids rota you might be on children's rotor. Here's a good reason to be on a rotor. You might be on the youth rotor. You might be on a student's rotor. You could be on, you could be on uh, the stewarding rota. You could be on coffee. You could be on welcome. You could be on carpet. Get ready if you're serving well. You may just have a visitation. Get ready. This is a season of preparation for whatever God is going to do next. We need to be Ready for whatever that may look like but Zechariah is is in the temple and he's offering up incense and suddenly to the right hand I don't know why it's the right hand side of the altar but it's written, Luke's got it there to the right hand side of the altar there's this angel well Zechariah knows about angels because they're in the Old Testament but he's never had a visitation of his own God's not spoken for 400 years. It's all in a book. It's kind of, it's theory to him. But suddenly, there's this angel. And he's terrified. And the angel, they, are, they always start the same way, don't they? Fear not. I'm terrified, like, I mean, who are you? Where did you come from? You're not allowed in you. And the angel says to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. And then he says, and your wife, even though she's old, is going to have a son, and you'll call his name John. That tells me two things in particular. It means in this period of silence, God is still listening. In this period of silence, God is still answering. That so your prayer is heard, and this is the answer to it. I didn't think God was talking to me. Just because God is not talking, it doesn't mean we should stop praying. Just because God is silent, it doesn't mean He's not listening. Just because God is silent, it doesn't mean He doesn't care. Just because God is silent doesn't mean He's uninvolved. Just because God is silent doesn't mean He's inactive. Just because God is silent, it doesn't mean He's out of touch. When God is silent, all it means is this. God is silent. That's all it means. That's it. Silence. But suddenly, while he's offering up incense, heaven touches earth. We've had it in the prophecy this morning. Get ready. Heaven touches earth. There's an angel comes from the presence of God, looks at, looks at Zechariah and says, Hey, you're going to be a father. And your wife, Elizabeth, she's going to have a baby. Well, oh, really, It's going to be a son. You're going to call him John. Yeah, have you seen my wife? She's really, really old. I mean, she's past it. And because of his unbelief, the the period of silence is extended by nine months. Because he has struck them. We need to be aware that when God arrives, we need to keep an eye on what God is doing and what God is saying. Now, I have to hold my hands up and say, when there's a move of the Spirit taking place, there are times when I can be sceptical. I look around and I think, that doesn't match it, particularly my brethren background. This is not right. I can't be God. The other Saturday morning, there was a group of guys here, and we were upstairs praying. And the man that was there, Harold, happened to say, before he began his kind of praying for us and waiting on God, he said, some of you might just find you've got gold dust in your hands. And my, my alarm bells went ding, ding. I oh, was yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah well, it's in America. that is. like, this doesn't happen in Manual Church on Belmont Trading Estate. I mean, please God. And he said, some of you might find oil in your hands. And I'm thinking, I can cope with oil. And he kind of explained a bit more. Just go to the car and put your hand under the engine. Well, that do, God? You know, it's just. But it messes with your logic, doesn't it? And as we were waiting on God, he was praying. I don't know whether. Is Peter here this morning? God bless you, brother. He said to Peter, who got his head bowed in prayer, you've got gold on the top of your head. And a few guys went across, and I looked from where I was sitting, and I thought, that's not sweat glistening in the light. That's weird. That's kind of, I haven't got chapter and verse for that, I'm sorry. It kind of doesn't mix with my theology, and it doesn't meet my, my criteria of what God should do. But a little bit later on, when Elizabeth is six months pregnant, The angel goes to Mary and she says in answer to fear not, etc. that according to your word be it unto me. How can this be? With God. All things are possible. And if it's goldless and God wants to demonstrate his love through you and go goldless on your fingertips, your hand or your head or or oil let God do what God wants to do. Let's just, let's not be empty-headed Let's be incredibly wise, but let's be open to what God wants to do. Because that's the period of preparation. And the angel appears, heaven touches earth, comes to Mary, a teenager, and she says, according to your word, be it unto me. And she gets a seed in her womb, and the impact on the world is phenomenal. Let's not despise the day of small things. Because what God can do is awesome. The time comes, they go to Bethlehem and she's giving birth and keeping watch over their flocks by night. There's a group of shepherds and the angel of the Lord appears for them and says, Fear not, because they are terrified. Well, they would be. They've never had a visitation in the fields by night. And it's, don't be afraid, I bring you great tidings, good tidings of great joy, friend. He was is born this day in the city of David, a Saviour who is Christ the Lord, and this shall be the sign unto you, you'll find the babe wrapped in the milk rags of the stable, lying in a manger, and with the angel as a company of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to all men. And as I read the story, the question I ask myself is this, who heard it? Bethlehem didn't wake up. It's not recorded that suddenly Bethlehem wondered, what's that commotion going on outside? And the residents kind of spilled out into the streets and went off to the field to find what God was about. It's not recorded. The only people that heard it was a handful of shepherds. And God can get heaven to touch earth in such a way, all it affects is us. It may go no further than this congregation. But if it's what God is doing, the impact will still be phenomenal. And what we have to be open for is for God to do what God wants to do without us kind of trying to give God a criteria of things He should do to please us. He will do what God wants to do. Why? Because He's God. It's kind of, that's the way it is. He can do whatever He wants to do. John's been born. And Jesus is born. And their their paths do not cross for some time because at the age of two, Mary and Joseph flee to Egypt and and they become asylum seekers in a foreign land. John grows up and at a very early age is in the wilderness, waiting on God, waiting for the day when he would appear on the scene of time in God's hands. So wilderness is interesting. Maybe in your walk with God, heaven seems silent. Maybe you're praying prayers and there's no answer coming. Maybe you're praying prayers and it feels as if they kind of go to the ceiling and they go no further. And heaven is like brass to you. There's kind of no penetration. Nothing is going on. Where is God in my circumstances? Just because He's silent doesn't mean He's not involved. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he is not preparing a way for you. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he doesn't care. But what's interesting is this. Nine months go by and when John is born they come to circumcise him and they say, what are you going to call him? Is he going to be Zechariah after his father? And Elizabeth says, no. His name is John. And they go, John. There's nobody in your family called John. What kind of name is John? For goodness sake. And they make a sign. And they ask Zechariah. And he asks for a tablet. Not a plug-in rechargeable fancy type. It's one you have to use a piece of chalk on that probably most of you youngsters have no idea what I'm now talking about. Back in the day. Candlelit schoolrooms. No heating. Freezing cold in summer. And a tablet to write on. Made it hard for cheating in exams. (laughs) And Zechariah asks for a tablet. And he writes on it. His name is John. And his speech comes back. And the presence of God falls on people, and He gets filled with the Holy Ghost in His old age. And His Son was filled with the Holy Ghost from His mother's womb. There's room for anybody on the spectrum to get baptized in the Spirit. It makes no difference what age you are, what your background is. You might be a babe, you might be the priest. It makes no difference to God. All He wants is your willingness to cooperate with God. If so I had only baptized in the Spirit, of God, You might make me fall on the floor. I don't be baptized in the Spirit of God. He might set my heart on fire and I'll be witnessing to my neighbors. I don't baptize be baptized in the Spirit. He might get me to speak in tongues. Well, you know, let's be cooperative with God. He is God Almighty, you know. He does know better. I know we like to argue with Him. But the other day, I stepped off a metro in Hewitt, over in Gateshead. And as I got off the metro, I thought, I've got to go to the dentist tomorrow. This was Thursday. I'm going on Friday. And as I stepped off, I thought... Oh, the dentist. I just, for some bizarre reason, I just prayed for the dentist. Not that I was safe in her hands, like I just prayed for the dentist. And as I was praying for the dentist, the Holy Spirit whispered to me and said, When you see her, just tell her that Jesus loves her. Now, she's a Hindu. They don't do much on a Wednesday. You have to stay awake with that. Don't you? Thank you very much. <laughs> ah, you know. So I got to the dentist on the Friday and we sat in the chair and she's examining my mouth and all the rest of it and the nurse went out of the room. And the dentist came around alongside me and I said, yesterday I was praying for you. She went, you were, what? I said, yesterday I was praying for you. Why? I don't know why, I said. I just got from mad and started to pray for you. And while I was praying for you, the Holy Spirit said to me to tell you that Jesus loves you. She sat there and said, will you tell me that again? I said, yeah, I will. Went through it again. I said, Jesus loves you. She said, yesterday was an awful day. I felt as though I was firefighting right the way through the day. I'm on a le- leadership course trying to bring this dentist, on the, the practice on the better ground, the footfall is poor, the staff are up in arms. Yesterday was an awful day. And you were praying for me? I said, yeah, and Jesus loves you just never know where the link in the chain will come to an end and suddenly God will invade her life and, and heaven will touch earth inside her and she'll get born again what we have to be is willing in the day of his power but Zechariah prophesies over his son and the prophecy is a mixture of Malachi and, and Isaiah. And he kind of got this incredible prophecy over his son. But the son grows up in wisdom and is strong in spirit and he goes to the wilderness. And while he's in the wilderness, well, he's an interesting character as John the Baptist. Um, but if you can be successful in your wilderness, you'll find you'll be successful in God anywhere. You see, his, his audience is incredibly fascinating. If he eats wild honey. That means there has to be some bees somewhere because they kind of you don't get honey for no other reason, like. So his audience is bees. A decrease in number of locusts because he's eating them morning, noon, and night, and a dead camel which he has skinned and clothed himself with. I mean, it's not a bad audience, really. Like if you can be successful with that kind of congregation, you're going to fly when God arrives. But Luke tells us in chapter three that in the year. In the 15th year, when Tiberius was Caesar, and Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was, Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and Philip was tetrarch of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Sanus was tetrarch of Abilene, Annas was high priest along with Caiaphas, you've got Pomp and ceremony, you've got royalty and regal stuff, you've got political power, you've got high priests and religious rulers, all there, all doing their stuff, all strutting their stuff, and the word of God, it says, comes to John. So, why God? Why, why do you bypass? Because that's God. And what God is looking for amongst us is a people that are willing to hear what He has to say. To our generation. Where you work. Where you live. The people who cross your path that you may not know. God is looking for a people that will just tune in. And hear his word. And pass it on. Even when we don't fully understand. What it is we're passing on. It's not up to us to understand often the ins and outs of what God gives us to say. What we're looking for. Is a people that are willing. In the day of his power. And John comes along. And his message is incredibly simple. It's repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's he asking the people to repent from? Legalism particularly? Religiosity? Because they're steeped in it. It's just where they're, they're not into idol worship. They're just under the, under the yoke of the Pharisees that want to put more and more laws as if there's not enough in Numbers and Leviticus. They've added to it over and above. You think, like, what is wrong with you people? But you know, that's exactly what happens when the first rule with a consequence was broken. God says to Adam, see that, see that tree? Tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of it. The day you eat, you'll die. That's all the rules he's got in the garden. and That's a consequence. But the moment it's broken, we have to have more rules to understand the rule that's broken. And then we have to have a footnote to the rule that we've made. And a bylaw to add to the footnote with the rule. That, and before you know where you are, you can't keep anything, can you? You think, Adam, why? But suddenly, heaven touches earth. And John comes out of the wilderness, preaching a message of repentance. Scholars believe he had a revelation from God on baptism because it's not an Old Testament concept. It's a public, physical act where I am saying to the world, I am turning my back on the way I live. And their sins are washed away in the River Jordan. And then Jesus comes along, and Jesus steps into the River Jordan, identifying himself at the start of his ministry with their sin. He who knew no sin. Identifying with their sin. And then the Spirit of God descends on him and takes him into the wilderness for 40 days. I wonder if you were at the bank. And you watch what was going on. Did you say a week later? You know that guy that John baptized? Said the Lamb of God takes away the sin. I wonder where he's gone. What's happened to him? Is God silent again? Yeah. But he is preparing his son for what is to come. Let's not despise silence from God. It's tough. Right? Many of you know that. I've told my Isaac for a long time. And I wanted God to say something to me. And he didn't. And I found that really, really difficult. But when God is not speaking, it doesn't mean we stop trusting. And that's the trap. If I don't hear from God, I can't have faith. If I can't have faith, I don't know what to do. And before we know where we are, we get blown off course. Maybe. That's just where you feel you're at right now. Blown off course. Because God's not speaking. Just because He's silent doesn't mean he's not listening. Just because he's silent, we should keep praying. Just because he's silent, we should keep communicating with God. Keep pouring out your heart. But I do believe that God wants to do some specific things this morning. Now, I know we're going to have two groups, one over there and one over there later on. So, we need to manage this well. But, see, Zechariah is in the temple and he's offering up incense at the hour of prayer and the angel says your prayer's been heard they've been praying for a long time for a family and now it's going to take a miracle maybe you're married and you love a family and it's not happening for you when I was praying about this the phrase that God sowed into my spirit was this I want to repair a mother's womb I'd like to pray for you before this meeting finished, husband and wife, let's see God perform a miracle. I also believe that the phrase, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, is incredibly relevant for people today. So, if your name happens to be John, or Jonathan, I'd like you to come forward. I believe God wants to give you a voice that is courageous but full of compassion in your community where you work where whatever your world is god wants to give you a voice that will speak for him you may think if you're a lady well that's not fair like i mean that's the men they always get in on the front line don't they i didn't write the rule book but it's okay it's okay because there is a female version of john i asked google I tried the concordance but it, didn't, it didn't, didn't offer me anything. But Google is useful. And it came up with the female version is Joanne, Joan, Jean. You know, they're kind of similar but they have a root. And apparently it's the female version of John. I believe God wants to raise up a community of people that have a voice in their community. So, we're going to get the band back on the stage. They will come forward. We're going to sing a song that we're going to sing. But if your name Male or female is the equivalent to John. I'd love it if you would come forward here, please. I want to pray for you and get the ministry team involved in praying for you. And if you're a couple and you want a family and it's not happening for you, you want heaven to touch earth today. And I know Tao wants to share some stuff during the ministry time, I believe, so we'll wait for Tao as well. But if those speak to you. I want you to come. I want you to be courageous. Come forward. Don't don't be shy. You know, be the first to come forward. That God will bless you. You may think, well, I don't have a problem with sharing my faith. That's okay. if Your name is John. Come forward anyway. Let's get anointing of God's spirit on you. Praise God. I know there's more than two. Come on, come on, Joan. Yep, place to you. Joan, Jean, Joanne. God wants to give you. God wants to give you a bigger voice, a voice of compassion. It's not a. What God is not going to do for you is give you a preach at you anointing. My mother was classic for preaching at the neighbours. It's it's condemnation. No, it's reaching people where they're at. It's you being used for heaven to touch earth in somebody else's life. Anybody else out there with the name John, Joan, Jean? Joanne, middle name first, pardon? Yes, Welsh for John, yeah, Yain will do. Don't, don't leave him out. We speak the same language, it's good. <laughs> Glory to God.